0: kaiju network podcast episode 127 i am your co-host kent and with me is your other co-host jason how's it going peeps it's a special episode a brand new godzilla slash kaiju movie and here we are we're talking about uh the sequel to 2014's godzilla five years in the making uh been a long time for for those of us who are fans um So just want to let everyone know up front uh, that we will be talking about spoilers. And so if you are a person who has not yet seen the film um, and don't like spoilers, we recommend that you turn off the podcast right now and come back and listen to it. Either uh, Google Play or iTunes or even come back here to our YouTube channel and uh, watch us um, before uh, after you've seen the film. Because we're going to be talking about major uh, spoilers and plot points. Uh, This is really all sort of house, general housekeeping. This is all, this should be familiar, especially to people who have been listening uh, to us, you know, even for a short period of time by now. Because we, I feel like you can't have a a legitimate discussion about a a film or really anything unless you talk about stuff that's going to spoil a film or a book or something for you. Um, One of the things I wanted to try to do for this episode, but it's going to have to wait until a future episode, probably after G-Fest is that I have gotten a few uh, items uh, from this film that I wanted to review, but um, because of time uh, constraints and all that, it's just not going to happen this particular episode. So this episode is going to focus primarily on the movie. So, I guess, uh, are are you ready? Before
1: we dive into this, I want to make a little bit of announcement that our website, uh, there was a plugin that was being updated, but for some reason it was failing. So I tried to manually update it and it literally broke the website. <laughs> so... Um, and this was part of the this plugin was part of the whole theme and the thing is that uh, when I bought the theme I would I got at least six months my whole support thing is off and if I wanted to read I can at least renew it but then I would have to shell out. A little over 40 bucks just for another six months support and so that literally it it just got me annoyed yesterday when when all of this happened because I went in through recovery mode try to get everything working but for some reason the previous one somehow just got screwed up during the whole process and it was it's like a certain line of code in a php file so and even when i tried to uh update it through the back end manually through an ftp uh it also screwed up another uh plugin which was supposed to be part of the that one but for some reason i think the update for this 1st plugin did didn't realize that the other plugin just recently had an, another update <laughs> so um so as of right now, the website, like the front end of it is broken. You'll see some codes here and there, but the back end portion is all right. So hopefully we can still uh, podcast out on both YouTube and uh, Google Play. But the um, if the people that made this theme, uh don't manage to make an update because I'm not even sure if I'm going to actually shell out 40 bucks just, just for this one thing, because I haven't had really much of a problem with it up until yesterday. Um, If nothing doesn't happen within a few days or possibly a week, um, I'm thinking about trying to find another theme unfortunately just to uh get everything running smoothly for the daikaiju network website so um unfortunately yeah that's that's the sort of situation that we're in right now on our websites um code and everything is just sort of showing basically the whole is kind of broken but Backend still fine, so hopefully, uh, when we upload uh, the
0: here on and Google Play, I think your internet's a little shoddy. You've been kind of coming in and out here. Well, um. it's 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 the
1: same thing from my end when I see you as well. So well, I'm my internet show in between. a strong
0: signal. Well, same with same with me. <laughs> yeah, anyway, let's dive into 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, it's a very straightforward plot. Um, basically, uh, to kind of not get too much into plot, details and all that because i'm assuming most people have already seen it or are about to see it um basically what happens is dr emma russell played by vera farmiga i think that's how you pronounce her last name uh ends up teaming with this eco-terrorist named alan jonah to unleash Uh, kaiju across the planet and these kaiju have been almost all of them have been contained in monarch outposts across the globe and the reason why she's doing this is uh, she believes um, first of all her and her husband Dr. Mark Russell played by Kyle Chandler they lost their son in the 2014 San Francisco attack and so of course they've been grieving for the last five years and she over that time has felt that, uh, you know, human beings, of course, are a plague and infestation upon the Earth. Uh, Overpopulation, pollution, uh, wars, all of that uh, have contributed to the decline and sort of the quality of life on this planet. And that the kaiju, or titans, as they're called in this film, uh, are Earth's natural uh, order. And during that five-year period, she developed this bioacoustics computer that is a, uh, that is a combination of different kaiju and even uh, human sort of sounds that create sort of an alpha or other uh, emotional responses to a situation and this was called to kind of help. yeah called the orca and it was designed to sort of either command control or command other responses in particular situations with the Titans or Kaiju. I'm going to use those terms interchangeably throughout this podcast. And so she teams up with this Alan Jonah, they unleash all of the the Titans and including King Ghidorah who, or just as Ghidorah as he's known in the film, uh, who was frozen in the Antarctic uh, Monarch outpost and, Ghidorah is considered sort of the alpha kaiju in the, in the world, uh, all the kaiju, of course, except Godzilla, uh, bow to Ghidorah. Godzilla and Ghidorah have a couple of tussles, uh, throughout the course of the film, and, um, what ends up happening is that it's discovered uh, from sally hawkins character she reprises her role as dr vivian graham uh she basically says the reason why Ghidorah has certain capabilities that none of the other titans have is because this was a titan that was not originally of the earth it was a space creature and they name it monster zero in the film and so then during the final battle um Dr. Emma Russell's daughter, Maddie Russell, or Madison, uh, takes the Orca, goes to Boston, their home city, goes to Fenway Park, and hooks up the bioacoustics to Fenway's um, baseball uh, uh, announcing speaker system. And that attracts Ghidorah, and that attracts Godzilla. It eventually attracts Rodan and Mothra. A big battle ensues. And ultimately, of course... Godzilla comes out on top some of the other Titans nearby come and they bow to Godzilla and the movie uh, comes to a close with I didn't realize it until it happened where the title card comes up right at the end Godzilla King of the Monsters and credits roll uh, where certain things uh, involving Kong and Godzilla are teased during the credits including a, 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 a mention of a massive egg uh, that's going to be interesting to see what uh, what that's going to turn out in the next film. And then there's a post-credit sequence where Alan Jonah uh, goes and purchases a busted up Ghidorah head from um, some people in the Mexico region uh, uh, that experienced a battle uh, between godzilla Ghidorah, and rodan earlier in the film and so that is teasing something for this uh, upcoming film next year as well so yeah, um i i certainly had a feeling something was gonna happen well to and i set up the whole thing um I, don't, I honestly don't know how to start this discussion because it's a brand new movie. And at the same time, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. And um, there's a lot to cover. I mean, like I said, there are a bunch of teases and um, there's so many uh, just great things uh, to discuss. There's just, there's a lot of things here that are familiar, but a lot of other things that, are new as well to the franchise. The one thing I'll have to correct you on, um, it wasn't
1: uh, Sally Hawkins' character, Vivian Graham, talking about Ghidorah being like the alien, like that's uh, totally not natural to the earth. It was actually Dr. Ling Chin that mentioned about it because uh, uh, Vivian... Sally Hawkins' character died uh, in that uh, Antarctic
0: battle. Uh, oh, she did? Yeah. I wondered yeah, what you happened to her because all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, what happened to her? Because when Sarazawa ends up sacrificing himself, yes, I said spoilers, we're going to be talking about it. When Sarazawa sacrifices himself, I didn't realize till after the movie and I started thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute, she just kind of yeah. disappeared. Like, they didn't focus on her. At least I don't yeah, recall. It was, yeah, it was after the battle uh,
1: in Antarctica. And uh, Sarah Zala was looking at a couple of screens with uh, Emma Russell and uh, Vivian. And on Vivian's uh, screen, it said deceased. I guess I didn't see that. I've only seen yeah, the movie once. So Yeah, I, I saw it twice. And I've, uh, I didn't realize it myself at first and when I saw it the first time. But I did see the screen where it said deceased. I was like, how did she die? So then when I saw it uh, last night, I found out how was that uh, when she was helping um, – Mark get out from the uh, plane there when he was stuck
0: and I thought they both got and out
1: they did but then they were running on the ice and she was sort of in front of uh, Mark I think maybe uh, 10 or so feet and she looked up and then screamed and uh, I think it was when Ghidorah's head just slams down where she was and uh, the middle <laughs> head grabbed like this chunk of ice where I think apparently where she was. And then like chopped it all the way down.
0: Wow. I don't know how I'm, I remember the Ghidorah chomping on ice. And I think I do remember it eating someone, but I never thought it was her. Wow. I just, boy, (laughs) I got to I have to see the movie again to see that more closely. Um, let's let's just kind of do this in chunks i guess as far as the discussion because there are so many finer details we can discuss about this movie but it's like if we were to do that then we're gonna be here for hours um yeah (laughs) let's talk about the story okay um i'm gonna say up front Um, The story is paper thin. Mm. And at the same time, that's a good and bad thing. I think it can be a good thing if the entertainment value is there, which it is, in my opinion, it is. But at the same time, it can be a detriment. Um, I think it's both good and bad. For me personally, do I care that this particular movie has a paper thin plot? Not really, and that's because not only is the movie entertaining, but at the same time, there are just certain things in life, including catastrophes, in which to some, in some regards, are sort of simple, so to speak. Um Are there plot holes? Yes. Are there things that could have been explored and explained better, such as uh, Emma's motivations? Yes, because there's even this conversation at one point between Emma and uh, some of the individuals at Monarch, including her ex-husband, Mark, um, where, uh, you know, She's basically talking about, you know, this we're unleashing the monsters because humans are an infestation. And she kind of talks about, you know, half the human population roughly is going to be exterminated but the human race isn't going to be extinct um but mark then ends up interjecting and saying but that's not going to bring andrew back their son and that kind of shuts her down and even then that's never explored further over the course of the movie as far as why she's doing it so at the same time, it's sort of real because they're, let's face it, in, in, in our lives, a lot of the decisions we make are based on emotions, not logically a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, though, too, I guess you could argue that to create a good or great story, you need better motivations. Yes and no. I, I think there are plenty of arguments to be made for both sides of that argument um this let me say this the story isn't it's not gonna be anything groundbreaking in this franchise or this genre which is fine uh but at the same time i will say it is incredibly entertaining is it as good as the 2014's story i don't think so um is the acting better here than 2014's? I say it's about on par, maybe slightly I, better. I know a lot of people don't like Aaron Taylor I Johnson, but I—the more I've watched the 2014 film, the more I find his acting to be a little bit better than people give him credit for. I think,
1: uh, I think the uh, the acting for this film compared to the previous one, I think the characters were more engaging, especially Sarazawa's character. Whereas in the first uh, 2014 Godzilla, where it seemed like he was uh, not quite all there. um, But in this one, he engaged more with the other characters and got involved uh, as well more often than the
0: 2014 film yeah i mean he was he had a bigger role this time he had more of a purpose to his character um this time um But at the same time, though, too, a person could make the argument that um, just because you sort of play like the the grandfatherly professor something like that doesn't mean that you don't have a significant role. He had a significant role. It basically was to deliver information in that first film. That kind of was his sole purpose there. Whereas here, it not only was to deliver information, but it was to also... Uh, play a more integral part later in the story, and it must be said too with the with the story that I forgot to mention because it's not as important, I guess, in in the overall movie itself but uh monarch is obviously under attack from the u.s government uh for basically sort of being secretive about their uh uh, cover-ups and and their securing of different kaiju in various parts across the globe and the government of course is terrified that okay well we had this major attack on san francisco what's going to happen if all these creatures come out and start destroying the globe uh and all that and the government of course wants to destroy them monarchs like no you can't do that not only are these living creatures you can't just kill them but at the same time they are the natural order of the earth they are just like us they have a purpose what we need to do is coexist with these titans not destroy them and that's why we're being secretive we're trying to study them so we can figure out ways to try to peacefully coexist with these creatures so um i do like a lot of these elements with the story the unfortunate aspect is that and maybe it'll be expanded upon in the third and final film here next year we'll find out but um One of the things uh, some of these ideas, of course, are never as fleshed out in this particular film. It's sort of a basis to kind of catch up on where some of these characters like Graham and Sarazawa, have been over the last five years um, and the like. That's more or less kind of the purpose of 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 like the senate hearing we get at the beginning of the film it's to just kind of catch up on where these characters specifically have been since san francisco um but i guess with the story it more or less is just like i said it's simple there's nothing wrong with that really either um there's not a ton of depth to it either again not necessarily a bad thing because it starts off with decent action and then it gradually amps up and then you get more or less uh, pretty good action throughout the remainder of the film. Um, so mm-hmm. it's sort of like a pseudo destroy all monsters uh, in that yeah. regard. Um, in the story as well, I think it sort
1: of, uh, Sort of resembles many of the other Godzilla movies where uh, the story isn't quite as perfect or sometimes paper thin, but uh, a lot of them have that entertainment value uh, with them, as well as having, uh, you know, pretty much the same formula as uh, the rest of the Godzilla films with the human characters. And then you got uh the Kai the kaiju uh scenes or <laughs> it sort of is like an actual whole Godzilla story uh portion uh thing. But um yeah, as far uh for this film, I think for me it's I would say it's much more engaging uh, as far as the characters go compared to the 2014. Um, Of course, there's more uh, monster involvement this time around. And it's also not involving around uh, one specific uh, Titan in this one, whereas the first one, it was mainly focusing on the Mudos where they had more uh, screen time compared to Godzilla, which um, when I was watching some of the videos on YouTube where some people were uh, mentioning about that, whereas in this uh, new Godzilla film that uh, each uh, that there wasn't much fo- more focus on a specific monster, maybe a little bit more on Godzilla because, you know, he's he's the main uh, character of the whole film, hence the name <laughs> <laughs> on, on the movie. But um, yeah, there's obviously much more monsters in this one this time around. It was also pretty cool to... I think we can probably talk about this in a little bit that it was pretty cool to see some of the uh, original uh, Titans that uh, the crew created for uh, uh, for this film. Just kind of uh, add in some more monsters in here than just having calm Mothra, Rodan Ghidorah and Godzilla where they had their own original creations it was also pretty unique for them to add in another Muto. i think it's Uh, called
0: Muto prime or something like that this one is i think
1: yeah it was it was pretty interesting and then some and also it was pretty interesting to see like this gigantic uh was it woolly mammoth
0: it was a cross between like a gorilla and a mammoth sort of but more of a mammoth but uh Yeah, but um,
1: as far as the whole story goes, um, I would say the uh, 2014 one, I would say is a little bit better when it comes to some uh, focusing more on certain things of the story. Um, But uh, as far as... Uh, I would say engagement and the entertainment value, I would say definitely this one, but as far as the whole store portion, I would say the first one, I would say barely tops this one at least.
0: And I want to talk about something here that sort of lies in between the topic of story and also the next topic that w- might be one of our shortest topics for this discussion, which is kaiju design. Uh, it kind of falls in in between that. And I'm going to say right now what I'm a- what I'm about to. Say, maybe the most controversial thing I'm going to say this entire episode, and maybe one of the most controversial things I've ever said on this podcast, and that is in terms of the actual character of King Ghidorah, and I'm talking about the gold dragon with the wings and the three heads, I'm not talking about uh, the Kaiser. Uh, Ghidorah from Final Wars, and I'm not even talking about Grand King Ghidorah. Are those Ghidorahs? Yes, but they're sort of offshoots. And I'm splitting hairs here, I understand that. But I'm talking about in terms of just King Ghidorah. Like I said, gold dragon with the wings and the three heads. That's what I'm talking about here. In terms of that character specifically. Warner Brothers and Legendary beat out toho for the best Ghidorah ever hear me out here anybody who's listened to our podcast for a long enough time knows that while i do like Ghidorah, i've always had a problem with the fan base at large and i Calling think maybe even toho arrival. has even said this too of Saying Ghidorah is Godzilla's arch nemesis. I've always had a problem with that because my main issues with Ghidorah are that, again, outside of Kaiser Ghidorah, and like I said, I'm not counting Grand King Ghidorah because, first of all, uh, that was in a Mothra series and it never fought Godzilla. So we have. Uh, you can. That, that doesn't I mean, that's all hypothetical stuff. Uh, but. Ghidorah has never really held his own. Has he been able to handle a beating? Yes, I understand there are going to be people out there saying, well, in his debut film he fought for a while against three Earth monsters, and then in Monster Zero he fought against two monsters, and, and in All Monsters he fought against what was it, like nine, something like that, on, uh, on Earth and held his own. He got killed during that fight. Um, that's all well and good, but one of the things about being an arch nemesis is not necessarily how much of a beating you can take. It's what you can also deliver. Can you go toe to toe with your opposite and be able to defeat them as well? And let's face it. And I've always said this King Ghidorah with how Toho over the years, uh, in the Godzilla films anyways, Has never been able to do that. And again, I'm not counting Kaiser. I consider that an offshoot. Uh, And again, I'm splitting hairs. Warner Brothers and Legendary got King Ghidorah right. That was one of my major concerns because I'm like, because when I first heard that they were bringing Ghidorah back, part of me was excited because I'm like, okay, not only are they getting original Toho Kaiju in this film, but at the same time, it would be neat to see what an American studio can do with the, like, the design of the character. But my concern was like, oh, great. Are they going to go the Toho route and make this a character that can take a beating but can't really deliver it? They immediately, within the first like few minutes of King Ghidorah's arrival in this film put those concerns for me to bed by proving that not only is this Ghidorah able to take a beating, but this Ghidorah is able to deliver a beating Mm -hmm. as well. And for the first time ever, I am going to say Ghidorah is a badass in this film. Legendary and Warner Brothers' Did something better than Toho, and that is they made a badass Ghidorah. Yeah, I actually feared this Ghidorah and what he was capable of doing. The fact that he could regenerate heads that he lost I think during that's, a battle, I think that's actually a first because that's I, the first time that's ever happened, yeah, yeah, and. And similar to Kaiser Ghidorah in Final Wars, this Ghidorah can sap energy. This Ghidorah went toe-to-toe with sort of a burning Godzilla or a thermonuclear Godzilla that absorbed this nuclear blast that Sarazawa set up in this underwater kingdom that Godzilla rests into gather um Radiation and to recharge himself. He absorbed all that and he's literally glowing red at the end. He's so hot, buildings and everything around him are melting, and he sends off what two or three nuclear pulses, pulses so powerful they disintegrate Ghidorah's wings and they. Disintegrate part of Ghidorah's body, and then some of his heads, and then eventually his entire body. So that's what, like, three nuclear pulses this Godzilla set off. Yeah, and he was, and he took some of that beating. And I mean, this Ghidorah, uh, arguably the most powerful incarnation of Godzilla ever produced on screen so far. How he would you took compare- some of that beating, and would com- he delivered it. He almost took out this thermonuclear burning Godzilla. How uh, how would you
1: compare this Ghidorah with the the anime
0: version of Ghidorah? It's hard to say. The anime. If we're talking everything Ghidorah's been involved with, and I'm not familiar with any of the Zone Fighter stuff. I don't know all the TV shows he's been in. I haven't seen all those episodes. I don't know. Uh, But to compare it to the anime one, the anime version was incredibly powerful in and of itself. Uh, The only real issue is that we didn't have a ton of backstory on that version. All we knew was that that Ghidorah was the literal destroyer and absorber of world's planets which is very similar to his background in the in the show of films but it's done in a much more literal context in the anime version which is very powerful it's incredibly powerful um it's hard to say um I would argue for now until I watch the anime version again and then try to see this movie a few more times as well, I'm going to say they're tied. I'm sure one of them is more powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking if I had to choose on the spot, the anime one may actually be more powerful, quite frankly. Uh, But I don't know. But this Ghidorah is a real badass. I would say it certainly lives up to being... Uh,
1: Godzilla's nemesis,
0: Yes, uh, after this film. And this Ghidorah, after fighting Rodan and temporarily taking him out and recovering one of his heads after a brief stint with Godzilla, and supposedly Godzilla was killed by an oxygen destroyer developed by the U.S. military. He rejuvenates his third head, stands up on a volcano, and calls out, to kaiju nearby and then we see rodan come back and bow to Ghidorah, and this Ghidorah is basically sending a call to other kaiju across the globe to start unleashing terror basically on the whole globe on human civilization and this Ghidorah is so powerful he creates his own sort of tropical storm type of mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call it coat or whatever. When he travels, it's like a literal hurricane that he develops when he travels. Yeah.
1: Sort of like a camouflage. Yeah. uh, Like hurricane, like storm.
0: This Ghidorah is the greatest and most powerful we've seen ever. Maybe outside the anime yeah. one, but in terms of live action films, this is the most powerful we've seen fight Godzilla. And like I said, yeah, let's just talk hands, about definitely hands down. Let's just talk about Godzilla right now, because that thermonuclear Godzilla is arguably one of the most powerful Godzillas ever, because he ab- not only absorbed, you know, what little radiation he already accumulated when he retreated after the oxygen destroyer hit him. Mm-hmm. And he retreated to this underwater kingdom, which I thought they were gonna say it was maybe Moo but nothing was that, mentioned. That would have been that would have been
1: unique. Well, and I think I th- I could have sworn I heard so- something maybe briefly the mention of Atlantis. Um, I wouldn't be but, shocked
0: at that either.
1: Yeah, but I think to me, when they. Uh, when that one uh, scientist guy uh, mentioned, oh, this is much older. Still think that there was somewhat hinting
0: of it being Moo. Uh, That's what that, I kept thinking the whole time. I'm like, are they actually going to bring Moo into this as well? <laughs> yeah, it, it. I would certainly have to because
1: I think uh, – I think they were in the Pacific side with the outpost because that's where uh, sub- supposedly where the Mu civilization is, is around the whole Pacific Ocean area. So, and I mm-hmm. think that's where the uh, the outpost is, where nearby Godzilla's uh, home there. I would ha- definitely will have to check uh, the next time I go back and uh, see the movie again. And if that's correct, then that should also that should somewhat confirm that they're somewhat hinting uh, at the moo civilization in this uh, whole uh,
0: monsterverse. I just want to say hi, Brian. Yeah, long time no oh, see. Yeah, no need to apologize. We we understand life life happens. Uh, if you didn't catch us early on, this is a spoiler discussion of Godzilla: King of Monsters. So if you haven't seen it and you don't like spoilers, we're going to be spoiling this. So <laughs> just want to let you know up front what this is all about. Um, and by the way, if you've seen it, what do you what do you think of of the film? But um, yeah, I kept thinking of Moo, but. Getting back to Godzilla, I mean, my gosh, this burning version—I'm calling it. I'm going to call it either Burning Godzilla or therm- Thermonuclear Godzilla. I, I was certainly hoping that he would
1: unleash his, uh, like, the Burning Godzilla atomic ray. The way it was going at first, when he when his uh, dorsal fins were light lighting up there, but apparently that was when he was using his uh, uh, nuclear or This is uh, the Heisei series but the really interesting thing about it was that he used it uh, more than once in this film whereas uh, the other times where he used it in the Heisei era uh, in the Heysay series uh, films he only used it once per movie or once and uh, I think maybe in a few movies But uh, it was pretty interesting in how that they uh, went with uh, not only one, not two, but three thermal
0: nuclear pulses in this film. Yeah. You've seen it twice. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it twice before we did the podcast. I remember most of the stuff. I'm hoping to see it many more times during this theatrical. Yeah. The
1: first. First time I saw was was uh, in IMAX and then uh, last night in
0: regular theater with a few friends of mine. <laughs> so I got a really terrible joke that I just thought of, like, over the last 24 hours when I was thinking of the burning Godzilla. I was like, "You." I was thinking, you want to know why Legendary's Godzilla is better than Toho's burning Godzilla? What's that? Legendaries Godzilla doesn't die when it has when it's full of nuclear radiation. <laughs> it's an awful joke. I'm sure I'm offending a bunch of fans out there. It's a joke Relax relax anybody who's getting upset by that <laughs> God, <dumb. laughs> a lot of a lot of people out there take things very seriously but
1: but uh, <laughs> the one th- the one thing that I just realized in my second viewing. Of the movie, and I'm not sure if you catch on to this here, Kent. Uh, was that? Uh, let me bring a couple things up. Was that uh, in one of the scenes when they when uh, we go to the uh, the Monarch Outpost over in China, where they are at the uh, the waterfall and uh, Mothra becomes a full grown adult Mothra. And we see, uh, which I thought at first it was uh, Dr. Ling. And I was like, how did she get there so fast? And I didn't realize it in the second viewing of this, is that they were somewhat kind of giving both uh, Dr. Ling Chin and the one that was at the waterfall, it was uh, Dr.
0: Uh, was it Aying Chin. That they're both twins. Sisters. They're twins, yeah. yeah twin I have wondered that too. I'm like, how is she in how is she in one, in like two places at the same time? And then after a while I started thinking, I'm like, they had to have been twin sisters. That's and, the only explanation.
1: And uh, when Dr. Lane was talking with uh, Mark Russell there, and you see some of these pictures of twins, and it said down in the bottom left yeah. corner, infant island. And was like seeing them as like the uh, the infant
0: island uh, like Mothra twins. Yeah, immediately when so I saw the pictures, I realized they are sort of doing a callback to the to the Jin. Yeah, and, it was, and I
1: just realized that in the second viewing last night. It's like that's that's pretty
0: that's pretty genius. And how they It's did subtle. That. It's incredibly subtle. Uh, only Godzilla fans are going to catch that. And even then, it's like some of us are going to miss it. Uh, you can't believe critics are hating on the movie. Uh, I can. And you want to know why I can't? Because there's just sort of this... Um, there's always just been sort of this... Um, care about the genre and other genres that critics just naturally don't gravitate towards. Uh, I understand why so many of these critics hate the film, uh, but at the same time, does that mean they're right? No, I don't think so. And in fact. 99 times out of 100 if if a critic hates something if it's one of these sort of uppity critics like roger ebert was i consider him to be part of that group if roger ebert hates a movie 99 times out of 100 i know i'm gonna like the movie that he hates it's just kind of whatever he likes i don't like it's essentially
1: what you Basically, see on Rotten Tomatoes if uh, critics hate the movie, and when you see the uh, the audience score of it, which uh, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes for this film, uh, I think as of uh, a few hours ago, it was right, uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: I you cut but then in, when you, cut you see where was that uh, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. It was at
1: around eighty-seven uh, percent the last time I saw it a few hours ago. That's still high. Uh, it was at it was at ninety percent uh, yesterday, but it seems like it's going down just a little bit. But when it comes to movies that really bomb, a lot of critics give it like a fresh tomato, but then you see a low score on the, the audience score. So it's it's the exact opposite. So. <laughs> me i don't really follow critics either Anyone i don't either. Shouldn't, i don't even go on to rotten tomatoes either so it's like what's the purpose of these uh
0: critics or websites like rotten tomatoes yeah and i want to say something about critics and i've mentioned it i'm on- previous podcasts over the years it's just like i've gotten to a point and i don't understand why godzilla fans all of a sudden are are going against critics because if i remember correctly the 2014 godzilla yes i think it was liked by critics a little bit more than this one but even then i don't think it was all that well liked don't pay attention to the critics i wouldn't make a big deal about it because Yes. Are there people out there that that sort of make movie choices based upon what some of these critics say? Absolutely. In fact, I used to have a friend in high school who was one of those people where whatever Roger Ebert says was good, then he went and saw it. Whatever Roger Ebert said was bad, he avoided it. Um, most people are going to see what they're interested in what they think they're going to like anyways. Yeah. Well, some of their... Um, preconceived notions be um, altered perhaps should they read a review before initially going in to see a movie yeah it's very likely that can happen Uh, that's why i try not to read up on any critic reviews before going to see a movie because i've had it happen before like numerous years ago where i used to read some critic reviews about some movies that i would (laughs) was about ready to see. And if they sort of, regardless of what they said, whether it was good, bad, or in the middle of the road, I would always go into the movie with that sort of notion. Like, oh, they said it's good. Then it's going to be good. Or they said it's bad. It's, I'm probably not going to like it. You like what you like. And these critics, uh, they like what they like. They try to be more sort of artistic. And, and sort of sophisticated with their, um, with their um with their reviews but yeah kind of like you're saying brian uh you know it's just it, it it rubs it you know it rubs us the wrong way and that's understandable but at the same time and i guess maybe it's and i don't know how long you've been a fan we've been a fan for what it'll be 26 20- It'd be close to 27 years now, almost 27 years. And, and yeah, it always kind of bugged me growing up, especially when I became more aware of the world around me that it always kind of bugged me that, yeah, you know, people kind of look down upon this genre and all that. But as I got older, um, and as I've been a fan longer, I've realized, um, um, I've realized, and I'm 30, um, I'm like almost 35, uh, I've gotten more to a point to where I don't care too much about what people think of me and some of the things I enjoy anymore, because I got enough things to worry about in my life. I can't change people's opinions, about me anyways and i'm not going to worry about that because that's a waste of my time that's a waste of my life and i want to spend my life enjoying the things that make me happy friends family hobbies kaiju being one of them and so a lot of it's just i don't care too much about what people think of me and what i like anymore um and at the same time it's just like you know you can't you cannot convince someone to like what you like or to even try to sort of accept it. They just have to do that themselves. And you just got to live your life. You got to live it to the extent of what makes you happy. And, that's that. And I and my advice to Godzilla fans who have been really big on this whole critics thing is to ignore it. Just ignore it. If you love the movie, then go see it as many times as you can while it's in theaters. Support it with your dollars and then continue on social media or your blogs or whatever platforms you have to support it um, to just try to you know get people to go see it and and things like that share your love for it and like i said go see it as many times as as you can but don't focus on the critics don't go checking websites don't do any of that just do what makes you happy do what brings you uh, enjoyment so yeah uh, philosophy 101 <laughs> like as you know I didn't or, mean to get philosophical I, just or I would say kids' Ket, pro tips but well, um I mean as you get naturally get older you get to a point to where you realize you've wasted a lot of your life worrying about what people think of you and you get to a point to where you realize I can't change their opinions of me anyway so Live your life. Life's too darn short. I've lost some people who were way too young. And it's just like, I hope I live a long life, but I don't know that. So just live here in the now and don't take, try to take as much negativity out of your life as possible. That's what I would say. And don't worry about if someone hates something that you like. So what? There are probably things about them, certain hobbies or whatever that you don't like. I mean, that's just human nature. That's how it is. Yeah. But um, speaking of which, I
1: know I was watching uh, the Cinemassacre review of uh, Godzilla King the Monsters and from what the sounds of it was is that they they uh, think still think that uh i know you probably are gonna hate uh this one is that they think uh in their opinion that shin godzilla is still better than godzilla king the monsters but for me and you're shaking your head here is that for me in my opinion it's I would say Godzilla King of the Monsters is so much more entertaining. Yeah, the movie is focused more on the human element of the story with them uh, talking and trying to figure out how to deal with Godzilla, and of course, you don't see Godzilla a whole lot in that film. Whereas in this one, you see more of Godzilla. Not only him, you get to see tons of more monsters in this one. And you get to see uh, Titans facing off against other Titans. Uh, but you still look at some of the human sto- uh, elements or story in this film, but not quite as much, but they're also much more engaging instead of just uh, just standing around
0: and all that. Yeah, I, I'm with Brian. Uh, Shin Godzilla's lesson 2014 and King of the Monsters. Yeah, I do find that strange. I, I That is surprising that James, um, was Mike with him too? No, it was, uh, James, uh, Keenan. And then
1: I think it was, uh, one of the other ones. It's uh, one of their, uh, video rental,
0: uh, review sort okay, of already with, um, I find that weird because I thought I, I'm not as familiar. I'm familiar with Mike and I'm not quite as familiar with some of the other guys, but I really thought James would have been a champion of this movie. Um, just it's, because of what to, I've heard him talk about in previous well, Godzilla discussions, with, I really thought this would have been something he would have really well, been on uh, board. I didn't see I didn't see
1: Mike in this uh, review. It right. was just uh, the other two. But it seemed to me with those three is that they were they seemed to be uh, sort of bashing more on uh, King of Monsters than they were praising it when i was watching it that's to me how it came off from when i was watching that review of
0: theirs shin godzilla is a professional quit critics godzilla movie which makes it mm-hmm. not my godzilla movie mm-hmm. um I don't want to spend too much time on this because anybody who's listened to this knows where I stand on on shit yeah. Godzilla. Um, I think Brian knows this too. But I, again, people like um, people like what they like, but and again, it's just like you know that is what it is. But um, it is just strange. I mean, I talked about this with. Um, how and I wrote about it in an article shortly after Shin Godzilla came out like two and a half years ago Um, just the the hypocrisy with some fans in terms of what they said about the 98 film and what they hated about the 98 film were the things that they loved about Shin Godzilla it just I'm not going to get into it because it's human psychology and it doesn't make sense and it never will but um He likes what he likes. That's fine. I disagree with him vehemently. Will I... I, Does the story in Shin Godzilla... Is that more nuanced than King of the Monsters? Yes, I will give them that. It's more nuanced. It's got more layers to it. Does that make it better? In this particular situation, no. Because that movie also has severe flaws in it that that this film excels at which by and large is is entertainment value and the representation of what a kaiju movie really should be about it's not that you can't make a movie like shin it's just that the decisions that were made for that story to be told were the wrong decisions to be made um if they had tweaked just even a few of those shin Godzilla in my mind would have been a very good film, but as it mm. is, no, I don't find it to be as such. So James will like what he likes. That's it. I'm not going to attack him or anything like that, but he likes yeah, what he likes here. and I just disagree with him. I strongly disagree with him. And and maybe if he get if he watches the movie multiple times, his opinion may change on that because, um, I remember back in 2014 when I first saw that film, I walked out of it 50 50. I was like, boy, that was different. I don't know. um, I don't know what, what to make of this because the way that Godzilla film. Was filmed it had never been done before it was something totally different for the franchise and I was just like boy I don't know what to make of this then I saw it a second time then I fell in love with it I'm like okay I get it and then I watched it a third time in theaters I'm like I get it now. This is awesome. I love what they did here. I love the decision where they pulled away. They kept teasing you and teasing you about Godzilla and and, and him fighting Mudos. But you still got a lot of Mudos. And the fact that even though you didn't see Godzilla on screen, Godzilla and the Mudos were always the center of attention in that story. So even though you didn't see him on screen, people were talking about him. And it was all about the Kaiju still even when they weren't on screen and I loved, and I, that's one of my all time favorite Godzilla films. And for some people, and this has happened to me, like I said, 2014 was one of those films where it took me several viewings to really understand and to really fall in love with the film. Shin Godzilla, I thought was maybe one of those. I saw the movie several times and it just, the more I watch it, the more I dislike it. Um, So and I've had that happen with other films I've gosh I mean it took me what about 14 years to go from disliking Ghidorah Ghidra the three-headed monster the, the the movie um to um um to to um to loving it and same thing for me happened with Godzilla X Mega Gears. it took me like 11 years to go from disliking that movie to actually enjoying it I don't think it's as great as Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster um but yeah I I, I ended up actually liking it Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is a film where I've always said I think the kaiju action that movie is great, but the rest of it is a mess. Um, my opinion on that has really not changed. In,
1: yeah, like, if you I watched think. our uh, uh, episode on that
0: a few months ago. Uh, I, you disagree 2014 felt like an homage to 54 suspense build up not seeing much of Godzilla human character plot how they deal with it uh, feel like 2014 definitely done to be like 54 and it succeeded um, how do I think about it <laughs> I think you're right, Brian. I think the overall idea, yes. I would say, though, in terms of of the technique, I guess, if that makes sense, of how it was done in 2014 was different uh, than how they did it in 54. Um, like in, 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 in 2014, you had the initial Godzilla showing up at the airport in Hawaii, and he and, and the male Moodle were about ready to just... Duke it out, and then that's when Gareth Edwards was like, Nope, not yet. And then you got to see a sneak peek of it on Elizabeth Olsen's uh TV set uh, at her home. I would say, in a general sense, I I think you're right. I would say, though, 2014 did it in a different way than what try to make it try
1: to do like Jaws did many years ago (laughs) try to tease it. Uh, for others, but still, uh, the characters in that film are still talking about uh, Jaws. In that one, where it's the same thing, the same formula for the 2014 one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we're basically saying the same thing. The technique yep. different, but the idea is the same. Yeah, I, I will, I will agree with that. Yeah, yep, yep. We kind of got off the topic of kaiju. We <laughs> 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 got into critics and Shin Godzilla and, <laughs> and techniques.
1: <laughs> yeah. And techniques in film. But so, uh yeah, I think we really, Yeah, I think we only just talked about uh Ghidorah. We talked
0: about Godzilla. Um, oh yeah, Godzilla Gidorah. Talked about Godzilla um, Ghidorah. Let's talk about Mothra. The Mothra I love this Mothra. Um, I really do. Mm-hmm. I love her design. Um, her larva stage, I really dug. It reminded me almost of one of those roly poly bugs, sort of. Um, or I really like that uh, brain bug from uh,
1: Super uh, Super Troopers, I think it was. No,
0: uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, it reminded yeah. me of that brain bug. I was a little disappointed, though, that we didn't get to see more of like the larva in action. I really thought we were going to see a little bit more larva action in the film. Yeah, um, the only larva action was at the very beginning. Then you just see it briefly in the waterfall. That was basically it. Yeah, and um, that was a little disappointing. But at the same time, though, too, Mothra got some pretty, pretty good um, screen time nonetheless. I really... I loved her role in the end battle, though. I mean, she came down like a badass and fighting Rodan and then impaling uh, Rodan there on the building. Um, (laughs) And then sort of what I think Michael Doherty, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, uh, maybe was trying to do with Mothra's death Sort of a sacrifice to me, it looked like an homage to a couple of the Heisei films where the flying kaiju, like Rodan in '93, uh, um, yeah. killed, and then you see the dust, or in that case, the glitter, uh, fall on Godzilla, and it sort of kind of gives Godzilla this extra. Oomph, uh to fight mm-hmm. on to me and repaired Mothra's his body was sort of was very similar to that
1: yeah yeah it sort of like gave him more energy and somewhat repaired his body like in uh godzilla versus mecha godzilla 2 with fire rodan and i don't know if uh yeah mothra also did it uh, to Ghidorah and GMK, when she died, uh, did almost literally the same oh, thing yeah, for She Ghidorah. sacrificed
0: herself. Yeah. But then,
1: but then I think they tra- did it the same way. But then, in a more of a reversal role, where she did it for Godzilla.
0: Yeah. Um, the unfortunate thing that part was spoiled for me. I knew it was coming because a couple people on these um, Godzilla fan pages that I uh, am a member of. They posted it when they, I don't know how these were obtained, but someone caught the, um, caught the screen capture. And um, that unfortunately was ruined for me. And um, that kind of made me mad. But at the same time, I had this hunch going in anyways, Mothra was going to die, but at the well, same just, time, it, just, it would have been nice of a surprise to sort of see it just to figure it out by watching the movie instead of.
1: Well, and some of the trailers, too, basically hinted at that uh, sort of thing, too, that's when Mothra was getting hit by Ghidorah's uh, lightning ray. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I really dug that whole sleek more slender design of Mothra there. It looked more like a moth, but it also seemed sort of like a, a hybrid of, uh, of other animals uh, throughout, uh, besides the whole moth look. But I also think that they added like the the bee stainer uh, onto
0: Mothra As well, because I don't even think that she she never had had one of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like that, and I love the fact that um, they put their own tweak on them, and um, yeah, it's it just. I I dig it. And with moving on to Rodan, I like this. I mean, he's very much in sort of the spirit, I would argue, of the 50, was it 56? Um, Yeah, 56. Rodan, where he's very um, Pteranodon-ish. And, um, and, uh, you know, I think that is very much... um, sort of the Rodan that most people gravitate towards as far as a design for Rodan. And I really dug that look. I mean, he very looked, he looked old Mm -hmm. and he looked very dinosaurian, uh, in appearance. And I really liked that. But at the same time though, too, he did sort of maintain this Toho ish, um, appearance about him as well it it really in my mind it really uh combined the best of multiple worlds and this is one if not my most favorite Rodan designs yeah the one thing I would say um
1: I was sort of hoping for him using his wings and flapping sort of creating that hurricane like uh, winds on other Titans, but uh, was a bit disappointed that that didn't happen. But uh, but still, he you still see some of the familiar traits of what he did. You know, flying over and then seeing that sonic wind uh, destroying everything after he flies, and then as well as uh, flying at the uh, sonic speed or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, it still had some of those traits that they uh, still uh, put uh, on to Rodan for this one. But uh, I was sort of hoping that he would, you know, cause some hurricane-like winds when he flapped his wings on other titans or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's too bad. Um, I mean, obviously Godzilla and Ghidorah are are the real kaiju stars. Um. uh, Here. Um. In in this particular film, but it's I I find it a little sad though that they were not in terms of um, Rodan and Mothra. They were not as represented enough. I was really hoping. um, Yeah. we'll we'll catch you later, Brian. Yeah. See you later. See you later, Brian. Too bad you couldn't stay. But when you got to go, you got (laughs) to go. But I was really hoping to see more of those two in action here. I mean, yes, they fought each other in the final battle and all that. But um, yeah, it just I I really felt like those two could have used a little bit more screen time. I was hoping they could.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you just see a
0: little bit of them.
1: Well, of course, um, you'll see. Some of them in the background uh, facing off one another when he's when we're focused on uh, to uh, oh, shoot, what was what was her name? Um, uh, Madison. Yeah. Uh, When she was uh, running to their uh, actual home there in Boston. But uh, yeah, I I really did enjoy uh their fight between Mothra and Rodan there. It uh really did sort of uh match match them up uh with Rodan seeming like taking a little bit more of an advantage over Mothra there, but then uh Mothra coming in with a sneak attack with that uh bee stainer <laughs> ran
0: Left shoulder there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. It was great to see, um, to see that part because I don't think they ever fought at all at, at any point. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so either. I think the only close
1: thing that we've seen them, uh, sort of in that was, uh, some of the argument and, uh, got, a Kidora the three headed monster, but they didn't uh like argue uh against one another it was more of uh, mothra trying to get both godzilla rodan to uh come to terms and uh work together to defeat Ghidorah in that movie
0: yeah so but um so do we want to talk about um Let's talk about the music. Um, I want to I start this off by saying I liked Alexander Desplats. Uh, again, I hope I'm not butchering the name. Um, but I, I really, I liked his score for 2014. My only sort of real issue with it, and it's more, I guess, an issue with me and what I like is that I'm more of a person who likes rousing themes and marches. That's my kind of orchestral music preference. And that score of course was missing that. But at the same time, I did like the music to that movie because it was very haunting. It very much captured, um, the, um, the particular moments that happened within that film. And it did it well. Um, I really liked what he did. It's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. It's in fact, one of my least favorite Kaiju scores, but that doesn't mean I think the music was bad. It's just not something I'm going to play all that often. When it comes to King of the Monsters though, this thing will be played Many times. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a Godzilla score by a long shot. <laughs> Godzilla fans are going to recognize several themes in this film very easily. You get the Godzilla theme. You also get the Mothra theme. They're both tweaked a little bit, um, especially the Mothra one. Most people, even people who are not Godzilla fans, know the Blue Oyster Cult song. That Mm -hmm. is redone in this film uh, as well. But also just the new music that Bear McClearly. Is it McClearly or McCleary? McCreary. McCreary. That he made for this film. It's tremendous. It's stupendous. It's the sort of music that... Godzilla fans, longtime Godzilla fans like us, are familiar with, at least in terms of the type of music. It is definitely more of the thunderous, marching, thematic type of of music with, yes, some of the more nuanced, subtle, somber pieces uh, mixed in where appropriate um, as well. And um, I really dig this score i just got the um the actual soundtrack here yesterday it actually got delivered to the wrong address and thankfully i had the kind neighbor to whom it was delivered to she brought it over so (laughs) damn postal service worker but um i have yet to listen to it i've been busy at my house here over the last week and will continue to be for quite some time but um it's a two disc set and um which was pleasantly surprising uh and i'm hoping i can get to that i would love to get to that before g-fest starts here in about another month because i really want to listen to this score i liked it an awful lot while i watched the film um just a tremendous score excuse me and um yeah, I, I really recommend. Uh, by you check it out; it's it's a fantastic score. Yeah. By the way, um,
1: apparently, Ghidorah gets his own uh, theme music in this one, which I think is a first in the Godzilla franchise. Um, what do you think of his score there or his
0: uh, theme song? i was really trying to pay attention to that because i was thinking maybe uh some of his his original toho um theme was coming back i didn't catch anything like that though um it was hard for me to make out during the movie but what little i did hear, i really thought it was appropriate because it really um again, I, I really thought made Ghidorah a badass, but I, I really didn't quite catch um, his theme as clearly as I did some of the others. It was like that
1: whole chorus, it was like the low-tone chorus, and to me, when I was listening to it, it's somewhat familiar, sort of like that whole uh, Pharaoh on sort of
0: chant Hmm. yeah I mean there were certain things I caught here and there but um, yeah I, I didn't quite catch it as much during the film I mean obviously I caught the Godzilla stuff and the Mothra stuff because yeah I mean yeah I mean I'm familiar with all that so yeah <laughs> Hmm.
1: Yeah, I definitely like the soundtrack too. I listened to it I think it was um, a week before uh, the movie came out. It came out on uh, Spotify. It usually comes out I would say a week before or on the same week when it comes a week before the movie came out and it it was definitely a Godzilla soundtrack there. And yeah, it. I think it was amazing. And also in one of the themes, uh, one of the tracks that they use when Godzilla was coming out from the ocean after the uh, nuclear detonation and when Godzilla is up close to the uh, submarine there, you can you can definitely tell that they use a little bit of the quip from uh, Godzilla's Wekrium from Godzilla vs. in part of that one uh, track there and everything, and I thought that was a nice little touch into that one track uh, there from the Godzilla Requiem uh, track from Godzilla
0: Destroya yeah it's it's possible like i said it was hard to make out certain pieces during the course of the film because obviously you have roars and you have other sound effects going on um but like i said hopefully sooner rather than later i can get to this um score and and really be able to hear the music by itself to see if i can catch any anything else but um I mean, by and large, I liked it an awful lot. I can't say I loved it just yet because I, I usually reserve final uh, statements for when I actually hear the music by itself. So I actually... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I will compliment the music, like I did with Alexander Desplat's music. I think it worked very well within the movie and all that. As a standalone experience, though, I, you know, that's a different issue. I have a little bit more of a harder time listening to it. But in the film, it worked. Um, for a film like this, I really enjoyed uh, the music. But I need to listen to it by itself, though, too, to really sort of give my final opinion. But what I was able to hear throughout the course of the film, I really enjoyed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speak, since you were talking, briefly just mentioned uh, Roars and, or Howl's, uh, what did you think of them using some of the more familiar Howl's for uh, Godzilla and as well as some of the um, other Howl's or Roars for the other uh, Titans or Kaiju? Uh,
0: the, uh, Uh, As far as what I was able to catch, I don't think they used uh, the typical Rodan and King Ghidorah. I never heard the Toho Ghidorah cry once during the film. I never heard the Rodan one either. The Mothra one sounded very similar to what Toho has used in various films. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I enjoyed them. I mean, even for being original cries and, and all that. I still liked them. I still enjoyed them, uh, an awful lot. Um, one of the issues I had, I guess, and it's not a, obviously a big deal to me, but like the changing of Godzilla's dorsal plates, um, they wanted them to look a little bit more like the 54 Godzilla. Um, And part of me when I heard that was like, why? And I still am asking why, why did that need to be done? Because the dorsal plates on the 2014 design were just fine. It made it, made that Godzilla its own Godzilla. That's what made it unique. That's why so many people like the different incarnations of Godzilla over the decades in different films, because it just added a different layer of uniqueness to the character. And I just thought, why did you need to change the plates? Because One of my issues with Shin Godzilla, again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but it's an example here. Um, One of my big issues with that film was just sheer pandering. And I don't mind being pandered to, but there's for me, there's a real short um, line to walk when you're going to pander if you're going to pander to me you can't be doing it too much because i want you to try to give me something different i want you to try to give me something that i have not seen before and shin godzilla with stock music and and all this other stuff um and the cries like using the original 54 cry in that film you know not an updated version of it or anything like that to me it took and then the the stock um sound effects of like the tanks and helicopters and all that stuff too in that film that to me was just utter pandering and that's one of the main one of the big reasons why i hated that film too is that it, it just was a huge pander fest to fans and i'm like why don't you try to be unique? Why don't you try to do your own thing? Put your own personal stamp on your work. And this film, I mean, the plates, like I said, really aren't a make or break. It's not that big of a deal. Well, then, but, well, then what did you also think
1: of uh, Godzilla's cries and stuff? Because it seemed like that they also uh, used some of the st- – uh, stock ones or some that sounded similar to the did.
0: 98 Godzilla. Yeah, I think they did. And of course I'm a huge fan of 98. If you want to stroke my Godzilla ego, that's the way to go. Um, but this film, I was very scared. It was going to push the pandering too far. It got close but it didn't go that far it the the dorsal plates to me was like why did you do that the cries weren't as bad as the dorsal plate change um but um I was very scared there because like during Godzilla and Ghidorah's first battle, I noticed there were a couple cries there that were not used in 2014. I knew they were from other Godzilla films and I was concerned. I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me you're going to be recycling like story points and maybe uh, other things from previous films uh, for this movie. Thankfully, they really didn't go far. Um, Doherty and his crew by and large, put their own fingerprints on this. And that's the way I want it. It's fine to do little callbacks here and there. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But you can't be doing too much of that because then you are not your own film. Basically what you're doing then is just trying to remake something. And that's not what I want to see. I want to see something different. And that's what, by and large, we got here is something different.
1: yeah yeah to me shooting guys a lot for uh in my opinion you can say somewhat of it maybe a remake but i would sort of call it more like a recycled remake like it recycled a lot of the stock uh audios and everything in there or uh certain Uh, elements in there just sort of recycled everything just to make a a remake or retelling um, of, of like an original story of course making it different but still recycling a lot of the old audio and inserting it in there without making their own unique things
0: yeah I mean I I I describe Shin Godzilla as a contemporary version of the 54 movie plus more of the focus on how to handle um, like a giant monster attack of that sort, basically, is Mm kind of how I describe it. So in the 54 movie is significantly better than Shin anyway. But um, yeah, but yeah, so I mean. I was concerned this movie was going to pander too much. After I started hearing some of that stuff, I'm like, "Oh no! Please don't tell me you're going to really start, you know, doing certain things that are callbacks to previous films." Thankfully, I didn't. They didn't do that, so I really enjoyed that.
1: Um, So, what did you think of the visual effects for the movie?
0: I'm not kidding. Um, major thumbs up. I mean, I thought the 2014 and even five years later, I think the effects for the 2014 film, uh, are still some of the best visual effects in recent memory for, uh, you know, a, a special effects film. Um, they're definitely some of the best I've ever seen, um, I know a lot of people don't care for the series, but I think the Transformers series has always had some of the best visual effects ever. Even the t- 2007 Transformers effects I think still hold up incredibly well even today. Oh yeah. I think that first Transformers movie got nominated. I don't think they won. I think I think, I think uh I think they might have one. I I would have to check. But I don't think any of the other Transformer films got nominated. Nevertheless, I still think... Despite what you think of all five films, I've always thought those five films definitely had some of the best effects work. Um, I haven't seen Bumblebee, so I I can't comment on that. Uh, But I thought the visual effects for all five of those films were marvelous. And the 2014 film... I thought was incredible as well. Um, This just builds on top of that. And it's, um, I really thought with this film, what I loved about the 2014 film that I thought was sort of lacking in all five transformer films though, was the fact that, and part of it was how they did subtle effects, uh, such as camera shakes or something like that. And with sound effects as well, was that in 2014 film, they made it, there's made, it seem like there was more, uh, physicality and girth to the computer generated images. Um, whereas I thought with the transformer films, that was very hit and miss and by and large lacking throughout most of those films. Um, And then I think with this film, they even did it a little bit better in terms of not just, of course, the effects being updated and more advanced, but continuing the tradition of really trying to add subtle uh, effects work, whether it be camera shakes or sound effects to complement the visual effects to make it seem like there is a, physical gigantic being there in front of you interacting uh with anything else within its environment whether it be buildings humans water whatever um they just those subtle things really make a huge difference in terms of being able to imagine something is there and they continue that tradition from 2014. And I think they did a marvelous job here. Um, Great effects work. Even the kaiju choreography, I was very impressed because, you know, we're so used to these, um, seeing these kaiju in general, uh, being uh, men in rubber suits, basically. Nothing wrong with that. It's just unfortunate that that particular method by and large, has gone extinct. Um, And now it's CG. And they did a very good job in 2014, of course, in Transformers. They did a good job, too. Here they continued to do an incredible job with the choreography. They also did a wonderful job continuing a tradition that was started in the 2014 film, which was they... Showed more of it from the human perspective, looking up at the kaiju in various scenes. Something too, and I want to mention this as well. One of the complaints of many fans from 2014 um, was that, you know, they would show, even in the final battle, they would show kaiju action, but then still pull away that still happens here and the funny thing is that yeah i've noticed a lot of the people who complained about that in 2014 film are complimenting king of the monsters as being one of the greatest things they've ever seen which is great but they don't acknowledge the fact that that particular um what do you want to call it that that particular um Method is yeah. still being used here because i realized walking out of the theater that final battle in boston um really reminded me of how the final battle in 2014 was they gave you some decent chunks here and there but they still pulled away from decent parts of it too and to focus on the human drama that was unfolding
1: yeah and when it comes to when i mentioned about uh james rolfe and some of the other guys when they reviewed this i think um i would uh at least agree with them on this part because they were mentioning about like this whole uh method of them fighting a little bit but
0: then pulling it back uh sort of thing and it was something that was a huge complaint by a lot of people in 2014 as well Yeah. And and
1: like, uh, for example, when uh, Godzilla and Ghidorah fight for the final time, like at the very beginning, you see the Argo coming down right in front of between the camera and their uh, big battle there in uh, Boston. And uh, yeah, so then you'll see at least a little bit here and there, but then it's somewhat at the ground level and some of it, some of their battles are in the background, but they're, the camera is focused on uh,
0: like the human story portion of the movie. Yeah. So let's talk about human story now. Um, again, this sort of, to some degree, ties in with the story at large. Uh, but at the same time, I liked it. Uh, Of course, it's very similar to 2014, in which it's about going after saving family members, but also at the same time, though, too, an ex husbands going after an ex-wife to stop her from, you know, unleashing all these kaiju and trying to use the orca to maybe try to gain some semblance of of control uh, back from the kaiju as well. What are you making of, of kind of the human story here?
1: Yeah, it's, it's so, somewhat similar to the 2014, but then they added another element on top to give uh, a lot of these characters the motivation of things that they're trying to accomplish uh, in their own right. Whereas, you know, Russell trying to find, you know, trying to uh, get his family back. But then we... At least we his have- daughter... Yeah. And then you got uh, the wife there. uh, Sort of objective, trying to use the along with the eco-terrorist Alan Jonah. They're trying to, you know, trying to create balance like the natural order of things on a uh, planet by using uh titans with the orca, but then they make a mistake in unleashing Ghidorah, where he's more of destroying everything on the globe. So, so yeah, it's. It's like it's it's a little bit similar to 2014, but then with another element uh, added on top. Uh, the to give uh, just everyone a vision and a purpose uh, in this movie, and it's basically I would say more straightforward. Whereas the other one, I think it
0: had. Uh, like a little bit more layers i would disagree about that it was very Uh, straightforward because that one was about ford trying to just get home to his family and then it got to a point to where they realized they needed as many soldiers as possible so then he recruited himself back into the military to help out with that nuclear bomb mission um that was going into san francisco Um, it was pretty plain and dry more or less as well but um, yeah, one of the things though that I really loved about the human story here and it has to do with (sighs) I wouldn't call him the main villain because basically Emma was the main villain of this movie because she's the one who went to Jonah about hatching this plan and so he initially was sort of the lackey kind of behind this but I love the fact they did not kill him in this film that they're bringing him back for part three Mm -hmm. and continuing that thread because i think that's important he seemed like a very interesting character i hope we get more of him and his backstory um in the in the third movie there's not a whole lot that we know about this movie other than he was a former british um you know Soldier. Soldier and is an eco terrorist. That's about the extent of what we know about him. We don't know too much about his motives other than that. Um, but my hope is that we can learn more about him in part but, three. Uh, what did you
1: think of how they somewhat treated. Um, oh, I, for, I forget her name again. Uh, Emma Russell's character basically right at the end of her appearance where she says uh lonla became and then we don't even see her again uh after that what did you think of that sort of uh whole thing how they sort of treated her character there when we didn't even see her again after her saying that
0: well we know she died we know
1: that yeah um, but, uh, i would i would have thought that they would have showed her at least one more time before like just right before Godzilla uses his nuclear pulse or something.
0: Um, her using the line, long live the king, as much as I like that line, I have to admit it's kind of cheesy in that moment too. But at the same time, I think it was meant to sort of bring things back sort of full circle because initially when Ghidorah... Um, Gets done with its one battle with Godzilla in Mexico. Uh, Jonah says, long live the king. Uh, And then, of course, she says it here right at the end. Uh, The line's sort of cheesy, but I kind of like it at the same time. It's, you know... (laughs) I kind of sit on the fence about the line itself. But the fact that they killed her, I actually actually like. Just because, number one, she technically was the main villain of this film. Let's not forget that. She really was. Because there's... Jonah even said, look, you were the one who came to me about pulling this stunt off. You need to go through with it because otherwise you're wasting my time. So she technically was the main villain of this film. But at the same time, though, too and and this is just part of, this is just me but i'm kind of tired of seeing like you know these families in movies where even if one's sort of a villain of sorts they always seem to come together and hug everything out i'm tired of seeing that but at the same time too i think it's more realistic as well to have her sacrifice herself to keep Ghidorah in the area to prevent Ghidorah from destroying the helicopter with her ex husband and their daughter, um, as well. I like it. I mean, I'm not madly in love with it because I mean, it's it's what should have happened and it did. So, but I do like it.
1: Yeah, but then uh, what? What do you think of? Uh, it When it comes to Madison, when we find out that, that Emma attacked Alan Jonah, and she was right in the room there when they were mentioning about, you know, Emma going to Jonah and hatching this plan, it seemed like it didn't really bother Madison as much.
0: <laughs> yeah um i i noticed that too the real and this is always a problem i've noticed with so many movies when it when it's a when there are kids involved a lot of times either kids are not written all that well or kids are smarter than they actually should be um in many of these films that was sort of a problem here. I really thought Madison was smarter than what she actually should be. And yeah, I saw that as a problem and does it bother me from a certain standpoint? It does, but does it kill the movie for me? No. Um, because you're talking to someone who reads a lot of books and has spent a lot of time studying story structure and was also an english major and you know did a lot of writing in college um that part of me sort of bugs me but if it doesn't ruin a movie in terms of its overall story or themes then i let it go
1: Uh uh-huh yeah, yeah, that was just uh, one thing that sort of caught my attention I think in the first viewing of it, and then it came at least a little bit more apparent, but yeah, for me overall it doesn't really kill much of it, but
0: it's uh, just a little bit of a nitpick, just from what yeah. I saw in it. It's a problem, but I don't think it damns the film. It, because it's a problem, I've seen an Lots of films. It's not just this film. It's not other kaiju films. It's all sorts of films. Any a mm-hmm. lot of live action films that contain kids. This is always a problem.
1: For for example, the kids in the uh, Showa Camera <laughs> movies. Like they
0: make those them. Those are kids films, though. To begin, way with, more smarter. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I forgive uh, those because again, those are directed more at children. Yeah. But um, what did you
1: think of the whole post credit scene basically setting up of what could could potentially
0: what we would see in uh, Godzilla vs. Khan? My initial theory and I don't and of course we'll have to wait and see. My initial theory is that we're gonna see Mecha Kingadora. Because I can't think of anything else that they would use that head for. But then I started thinking like, well, there was only one mechanical head on mecha King But then I started thinking, I'm like, well, maybe they'll just have two mechanical heads on mecha King Ghidorah for if they were to go that route anyways. Um, that's all I could think of at the moment. I can't think of any other reason what they would do uh, with that. Um Either way, I think whether they do Mecha King Ador or they do something totally different, I think I'm going to be really thrilled with it either way. Um, there's a part of me, though, that would like to see something totally different just to be because I want to be surprised and I want to see, again, new stuff. Um, but even if it's Mecha King Ador, I'm going to be excited about that. I knew that was coming. And this is something I never mentioned throughout this podcast, but I told you a couple of days ago, I got the novelization to this movie and I told you I skipped to the very end and I read how this movie ends because I just, I'm so excited. I wanted to see how this would end. I knew this scene was coming because I read it. And I, when I read it, I knew it had to be a post-credit scene because I'm like, the way it was written in the book, I'm like, this has to be, either mid or post credit scene. And mm-hmm. and I thought I'll stay because I don't know if they'll show anything else that maybe wasn't in the book. But I knew it was coming. So was I shocked by that? No, because I read it in the book and I knew it was coming at some point. So
1: Yeah, um yeah, I, I would say at least my initial theory on that one too is that uh, with Ghidorah having some kind of regeneration Ability, I'm not even sure with the way that the Ghidorah head looked, it was basically dead, not even moving at all. (laughs) But, um, I would say that there was something within Ghidorah, like the whole regenerative type of uh cells or anything of the sort that they that uh, Alan Jonah could potentially use from that Ghidorah, may maybe create something much more diabolical or something of the witch. But um, if they do do like a uh, Mecha King Ghidorah in a way, I would think that uh, Legendary would have to go to Toho and maybe fill out another contract for something. I don't know how that would go when it comes to Mecha King Ghidorah since it's still somewhat part of Ghidorah. If if it's maybe one in the same, or if it has to be a separate sort of contract to uh, bring that different version of Ghidorah into the film, but uh, we can possibly wait and see when uh, Comic Con uh, rolls around, which is uh, next month, I think. Uh, I think it's right right around the same time uh, as uh g-fest or
0: maybe a week it's or so after a that week or so after g-fest
1: yeah um so we'll uh potentially find out then um if they don't say anything if they like have some sort of teaser trailer for gazelle versus khan uh or anything or mention about a- another edition from the toho uh lineup of uh, monsters and that could potentially mean that they're going to be doing something more creative or original uh to come around from that Ghidorah head so um for me it's i would say it'd be up in the air uh with uh, two scenarios at least
0: uh when it comes to that Ghidorah head one thing we have to remember and it was a line that was mentioned I think only once in the film they were saying that a lot of people would pay a lot of money for Titan blood and that sort of thing too so I don't know maybe the blood of Ghidorah in that head will be used for something else yeah a new monster or something yeah that's somewhat what I was
1: potentially going for like something more diabolical or of the sort
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I think by and large we've covered like most of everything. Do we want to go into final thoughts and wrap it up?
1: Yeah, I think we can go into the final thoughts. All right. uh, Who wants to go first? Um. I think I can uh, go first on uh, the overall. Um. yeah, as far as uh, Godzilla King and the Monsters, um, out of the movies that that we have seen of Godzilla in theaters, I would say, I think it was, let's see here. I'm trying to think. Uh, one, two, uh, three, four. I think this might be the fifth Godzilla movie that I've seen in theaters yeah um out of those I would have to say that uh Godzilla King the Monsters is would have to be the best or the most entertaining uh one out of all of those uh so far um I really enjoyed it. I was really entertained. Uh, this, uh, the story of both human and the Titans uh, fit fairly well for this uh, sort of movie. Um, yeah, there are some, uh, flaw, some flaws, uh, plot holes and everything, but doesn't really ruin the movie uh, for me. Technically, no. Um, Just like when we talked about some of of our net picks earlier, um, I really like the characters. They were much more engaging in this one. uh, To me, uh, better than the 2014 uh, movie. And of course, there's much more Titans in this one. This time around, they're, seen more uh, than um, than in the 2014 Uh, Godzilla is is definitely shown in this one more than he was Um, and the choreography visual effects just outstanding and yeah it's just really, really a really good movie and if you um, haven't seen it and if you've still uh, watched this uh, without even seeing it I would still say definitely go uh, check it out for yourself um, you're I think you'll definitely enjoy it um, if um, yeah it's uh, for me it's a definite buy uh, it's one of those uh, really really good Godzilla movies
0: of weird watching a kid out here. I don't know what he's... Oh, is he playing some sort of game with his brother or something out here? He's like next to our cars. I'm trying to just make sure he's not doing anything that he's going to regret. <laughs> Step but away done. from the vehicle so I can get on with the podcast. There we go. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, so uh, here are my final thoughts. And if it sounds like I'm reading off of a script, it is because I am reading off of a script like I typically do on here. Godzilla King of the Monsters will surely deliver The Godzilla fans dream of not only seeing four familiar kaiju faces, but seeing more kaiju action, something fans had complained was lacking in Godzilla. The story is thin and not as fleshed out as Godzilla. However, with that being said, is the typical monster brawl fest that attracts so many of us to this genre in the first place. But if you're looking for a bit more substance, you may be a bit disappointed. Each kaiju gets its own moment to shine. But of course, Godzilla and Ghidorah steal the show. Even their initial battle is filmed well, continuing the wonderful tradition Gareth Edwards started with Godzilla by filming a bit more from the human's perspective. Though it must be said something most fans have not mentioned, and it was a complaint by many in Godzilla, uh, but doesn't appear to be much of a complaint here, is that there still is a fair amount of pulling away from the kaiju action to focus on what the humans are doing. I don't have much of a problem with it unless it's Godzilla Final Wars, where the cutting away in that film is more jarring, frequent, and involves some of the least interesting characters in the franchise. The effects work is superb and some of the best I've seen in recent memory. The acting is serviceable, and that's about all you can ask for in a kaiju movie, excuse me, in a movie like this. The kaiju battles are wonderfully choreographed and entertaining. Seeing several new kaiju was a treat, and the teasing of Kong and his eventual matchup with Godzilla in the next film were exciting. Even seeing Jonah purchasing one of Ghidorah's heads in the post-credits scene was exciting and leads me to believe we could see a Mecha King Ghidorah. Let me scroll down here. There was even a mention of a massive egg during the credits, which continues to add to the building excitement of Godzilla vs. Kong. Hearing bits of Ifukube's work and a reworking of Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla was a delight. This film expanded on the MonsterVerse in a way that should make the final entry in the trilogy just as, if not even more exciting, and could hopefully usher in even more films, depending upon how well these final two films do financially, which as of this recording, uh, the entire film, demands domestic and international box office uh it's 179 million just over 179 which means it it's already made its budget plus an extra 9 million up to this although point. it looks like it sort of underwhelmed uh according to some of the, pr- of the predictions as far as domestically though yeah i mean that shouldn't be surprising i mean you take a look at the 2014 film um i think that was similar i think some people felt burned by the 2014 film so i think they're waiting for home video or netflix for this one if they are at all interested uh but at the same time though too internationally the 2014 film did better and when you take a look at a film like rampage as well it did a lot better internationally than it did here as well so Yeah, Michael Doherty has made me a believer in his ability to put together an entertaining Godzilla film, but I also stress that his ability to tell a good to great story is lacking, but it's not a detriment. Seeing a badass Ghidorah is long overdue. Sure we've had Grand King Ghidorah and Kaiser Ghidorah, but I'm going to split hairs and say we've never had a great King Ghidorah. I've always criticized the Toho version for not being able to hold its own in battles and for being, by and large, a coward. Finally, we get a Ghidorah that proves he can battle Godzilla to the end and commands respect from other Kaiju. This is something the legendary Godzilla films have done better than Toho, and that is presenting their own Kaiju in a better, powerful light than Toho has ever done. I am hoping Toho takes notice of this and will try to do one better in the future. In conclusion, Godzilla King of the Monsters is not a perfect film story wise, but it is massively entertaining and gives the four main kaiju their moments. The new kaiju are unique and hopefully we will see more of them in the next film. Godzilla and Ghidorah are total badasses and steal the show. Their brawls will make you raise your fists in the air. Godzilla's entrance into the final battle is also worthy of a fist raise. In fact, I actually had a person in front of me who raised his fist twice during the movie. I had an awesome time with this film and I'm hoping to... Uh, getting back to seeing it multiple times during its theatrical run. Daikaiju fans will not be disappointed with this movie. High, high recommend it's a buy when it comes out on Blu ray and DVD later this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, Best Buy is already doing pre orders. <laughs> well, Amazon UK was already doing pre orders. I saw here the other day as well. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Uh, I mean, I mean, this movie and I've already seen, you know, seen it on social media, of course. But this film, by and large, is doing incredibly well um, with with Kaiju fans. Um, My concern, though, is with general movie audiences, um, because they're not going to be as familiar with these other three kaiju and I just kind of wonder if it's just going to be too much geekiness, I guess, uh, for general movie fans. Yeah. And the reason why I mentioned about,
1: uh, with it having somewhat lower expectations, uh, than what, uh, Warner brothers projected them to get if they, I think they projected, between 50 to 55 um million but as of right now of this recording uh it's uh just over 49 million and and according to uh the whole monster verse i think uh in the opening weekend uh The 2014 Guzzle, I think, got around 93 million within the first weekend it came out. And then Con Skull
0: Island, uh, in its first weekend, got six. Well, yeah. And I mean, let's let's take a moment here and put things in perspective. Um, I know a lot of people whether they were Godzilla fans or even general movie audience members who knew of Godzilla, I think many of them felt burned by 2014 because they didn't understand the whole mechanisms of pulling away. Um, They wanted more kaiju action. And I think many people are coming into this movie thinking it's going to be similar to that. There's going to be pulling away, pulling away and you're not going to get as much. That's true up to a point, but nowhere near as much as 2014. And so, like I said, I think a lot of people are waiting for uh, it to come on digital and Blu-ray and DVD. And then some may even be waiting until it comes out on Netflix or HBO or something like that. Um, So I think that's part of it. Number two, um, there is this pretty popular movie out right now that's only been out for like what two weeks maybe now called aladdin it's been doing well really ever since it came out that's gonna be taking money from this as well Mm -hmm. avengers endgame is still in theaters that's still been doing really well yes not as well as what it has been but it's still making quite a bit of money um so and i don't remember the 2014 film really having to compete uh, yeah. against I think a the, film like that. And this film is basically competing against two two movies that have been making pretty decent money for a little bit. So that's I, part of the problem. And I think uh,
1: that's also one of the main reasons, too, that they moved uh, Godzilla vs. Kana because uh, they were originally supposed to come out. I think right around the same time next year, but then universal, uh, that's the reason why that they moved it up, uh, to March because, and from what I can remember, I think there's really not any sort of, uh, big movie at that time, right around my birthday next year. Uh, um, be a good birthday present as see Godzilla for con, but uh, but uh, essentially, yeah, I think that's going to be the only biggest movie
0: coming out in March next year. And let's also keep this in perspective: the weekend isn't technically over yet. You were talking about how they wanted to make what between fifty and fifty-five million the first weekend, right? Yeah, it's going to do better than that because here are the Sunday estimates right now. Aladdin is expected to do better today by making thirteen million one hundred twenty-four thousand. Godzilla is expected to do number two at thirteen million forty thousand. That puts it over the sixty-two million marker. So, it's actually going to do a little bit better than what they are hoping. Mm -hmm. So, it's going to make money. If that's the case, let's do math let me pull let's do math here so already the film has made just a little over 179 million i'm just going to put in 179 and then i'm going to add another what 13 the film uh and that's just domestic that's not taking in international right taking in what it's made right now Internationally and domestically, plus adding 13 million domestically for Sunday only, not international, the film will have made 192 million. And it's made what, like 130 million? or something like that internationally already. Um, So if you were to do math, that could be an extra 40. We'll just, we'll we'll be conservative and we'll say it'll make 35 million internationally. That's 227 million. So it will have made 227 million roughly. This is just a rough guess. Uh, Total. And that's just us taking a wild guess at what it's going to make internationally today. But this film is looking like at the very least, it's going to make 192 million, but I'm thinking it's going to be closer. It's going to be more between 225 million to 230 million over the course of its first sort of four to five day run. It's first real weekend at the box office. That's pretty darn good the real question is going to be how much of this is going to be maintained this film i think in order to be considered a success outside of having a good first weekend it's going to be i think even more important by the time we get to next friday and then coming back for its second week Is this going to be maintained? What kind of a drop off are we going to see? Is it major or if it's minor? If it's major, that's going to be a problem. If it's minor, then we have nothing to worry about. It'll do just fine. 2014 film internationally, like everything, when everything was said and done, it made like a, a little over 500 million. That's good. It didn't do as well. If you were to account for inflation, the 98 film still did a lot better than the 2014 film. But still, $500 is nothing to scoff at. It's what made Warner Brothers and Legendary say, hey, let's make two more of these. Godzilla vs. Kong is already made. So that's in the bag. The real question now, though, is this film and Kong are going to determine whether or not we get any more of these after Kong and Godzilla. So that's kind of what we're pushing for right now. So you know we want these films to do well. We need to try to see these films as often as possible. Like I said, my biggest concern with this movie, especially now after seeing it is that yes, it's going to do well with the fans. The thing is though, I don't think there are enough fans in this country to sustain this sort of momentum for two weeks. It needs to do well enough with general audiences to continue. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And that's why so many Hollywood films try not to make something that is specifically going to tailor to the geeks of a particular property or because like do a
1: very pandering sort of thing, for example,
0: Shane Not not really but they don't want to make something that your general audience member uh, that either knows very little about the property or knows nothing about the property is going to be lost. And therefore they're going to be like, I'm not going to spend my time with this because I have no idea what they're talking about here. So this film definitely dives more into the made for Godzilla fans territory, which on the one hand is great, but on the other hand, it's not it's great because it's going to satisfy the fans but it's not good because there aren't enough fans in general of this niche i mean let's face it the kaiju genre is a niche fan group there's not enough of us to sustain an avengers Endgame or a star wars like Status financial financial giving. I guess you could say, for weeks on end. That's that's just not going to happen. It just isn't, and we have to accept that. And so, it, my feeling is that unfortunately, I don't think this film is going to do as well as Godzilla. Um, I'm thinking when all is said and done, this film. Theatrically and all that, I think is going to make between 425 to 450 million. It may not be that much less than the 2014 film, but it's still going to be less. I think I hope I'm wrong, uh, but we shall see. I think this movie is going to be in theaters. It's it's going to be in theaters for a little while, especially when you look at international markets and that's where this film is going to succeed the most and we have to be pulling for the international markets to really pull this along
1: so uh what would you predict um is there gonna be anything beyond after godzilla versus
0: khan after set c king of the monsters here's what i think is gonna happen king of the Monsters is still gonna do i think well but not as well as godzilla And i think a lot of that again is because in general most audience members are not going to be familiar with the other kaiju characters in this film i think though godzilla versus kong will do better because people are familiar with those two they understand that this is a legendary matchup people are going to want to see this i think godzilla versus kong will be the most profitable film of the trilogy i will even say I will even say that that film could maybe, maybe push a billion worldwide when it's done. I'm not sure. we'll find out. but I think because of the legendary status, that film I think is gonna attract more. And I think will that thinking- be enough to go beyond? Yes and no. And I say yes and no because of the fact that, okay, you had a profitable film in the first Godzilla. If I'm correct in saying that this film will still make decent money, but maybe not as much, that could hold them back a bit. Even if Kong versus Godzilla makes a billion, because these people aren't stupid. They will understand that if Kong versus Godzilla, even if that does make a billion, they're going to understand this because it's the familiarity of the characters. If that were be, if that would be the case, what's I think going to happen is that they may try to dabble again, Mm -hmm. but they will try it with one film and it'll be maybe three to five years after Kong versus Godzilla. They will take a breather and then try again with either like a sequel to Kong skull Island or whatever, maybe do another sort of like, Godzilla film the problem is though will they sign another Toho Kaiju they may want to but because if King of the Monsters doesn't do as well they're going to say well because we used Toho Kaiju people at least in the states aren't familiar with that and that's part of the reason why King of the Monsters didn't do as well It's tough to say. I think they will look into it. We probably won't know until a week or two after Congress's Godzilla has been in theaters. As far as what their plans are, I think depending upon how that film does, starting out of the gate's gonna determine what they might do. But I'm thinking even if they do, we're waiting. My guess is we're actually maybe gonna have to wait five years because you're going boom, boom, with two Godzilla films. And even though Godzilla is popular and he's mm. famous, that doesn't necessarily mean people are going to see these films. Because unfortunately, at least with people here in the United States still, there's still the stigma that these Godzilla films traditionally are campy. People aren't willing to sit down for themselves to watch a number of these films to be able to appreciate the effects work and to see enough of the films to understand that there are some really fantastic films within this franchise. That's always the problem. That's going to be the problem probably forever. Um, My hope is that that will change, but it may take another generation or two for that to change. I don't know. But... (laughs) It's it's a tough call, but I think Kong vs. Godzilla, regardless of whatever this film does, I think Kong vs. Godzilla is going to do bonkers because of the familiarity. Yeah. And I hope I'm right
1: about that. And then right with the, an the addition of. Well, then we're in trouble. Yeah. And then with an the addition of possibly another Ghidorah or Mecha King Ghidorah or another, maybe like a an original monster, then that could maybe of uh, things like that, but uh, yeah, I, I would have to say um, at least uh, the next movie is going to be uh, the most profitable one in the MonsterVerse so far mm-hmm. um, if if they go beyond Godzilla vs. Kong. but That's yeah, the thing me- though
0: yeah, Where do they me, go?
1: Yeah, for me, as of right now, uh, I would say it could still be up in the air. Um, that I think I would agree with you. I think they would probably give it a rest, uh, for the time being, maybe go over things, and then, um, after a while, they might announce uh, something like if they're gonna go move forward, but uh, give it. A few more years be- before that, they start getting into the monsterverse again, or quits after Godzilla first con So, so yeah, it's probably maybe another year before we hear um, any official announcements when it comes to whether or not they're going to move forward um, with the monsterverse. Yeah.
0: And I think if this film ends up when it's all done, if it makes about the same money as Godzilla, then I think the decision will be easier to, yes, move forward. But even then, let's say this film does about the same as Godzilla, 500 million. And let's say Godzilla versus Kong does bonkers. And let's say it makes 800 million. Okay. Let's just say it makes that. Even if they want to go forward, my question is, well, where do you go? Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of people will say, well bring in more Toho god you know, kaiju because you know it you know it did just as well as the first Godzilla movie. In fact, you know, we liked it more because it familiar creatures the the thing with the problem with that though, times have changed. First of all, these are Western-made Godzilla films now. There used to be a time in this, in Hollywood's history, back in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s, where you had many different studios that were offshoots of your major studios. Uh, because it was Mm. the post-war years, there was the space age, there was all that stuff. There was all this interest in UFOs and aliens and stuff as well. Times were so different that you had so many different studios making science fiction horror monster films. And many of them, let's face it, cheapos. And many of them were profitable, though. They made money. Times have changed. Now it's about... Eight times out of ten, it's about making a movie that has a budget of anywhere between a hundred to 200 million and having it make anywhere between 500 to a billion dollars during its run. And studios are more leery of taking risks than ever. And especially when it comes to properties like monster films they're even more leery about it now than they ever have been. With the, the era of seeing Godzilla movies every year, every other year, like they were back in the day, that's gone. That's never gonna happen. I think even with Toho, once they start getting their machine working again, we're not gonna see that again. You know, that died, I think, with the Millennium series. That's the last time we're going to see something like that. I think Mm -hmm. when they start making their own live action Godzilla movies again, they're going to make one every two to three years at best. That's about as close as we're going to get. Yeah. But with Hollywood, it's tough. And Western fans are going to be a harder sell with this because, again, like I said earlier, the stigma attached and the fact that there's a lot of ignorance with general audience members out there without doing research and sitting down and spending enough time with enough of these films to get a better understanding of where of the history of these films and even if they still don't like it, that's fine. As long as they made the effort. The thing is, again, people are not going to do that. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. For us as fans, it's easy to sit here and to say, if this film makes $500 million, like the first film, and then Kong vs. Godzilla makes $800 million at least it would be easy for us to sit here and say well go ahead make destroyer make space guys of the dubai or whatever it's not that easy anymore and thinking like someone in hollywood not as a fan but as someone who would be in the hollywood business i can understand this being a dilemma you'd be like look we made a lot of money we made money off of these films but yes, Kong versus Godzilla made the most, which I think it will. But a lot of it too is because those are very familiar characters. Their battle is legendary. Mm-hmm. But you can't do another Kong versus Godzilla, even five years. You can't do that. People will know. No. They'll be like, no, you can't pull a fast one on us. You can't do this part two. You can't do that. you got to wait another 40, 50 years before you do this again. So. It's just thinking like someone who would work in Hollywood, I wouldn't know where to go. Sure, you could have Godzilla fight another original monster. That's a toss-up. Um, have Godzilla fight a Toho, another Toho monster too. Yeah, that'll bring in the fans, and the fans will come and see it multiple times, but is that enough to keep your movie afloat? Probably not. Yeah. And you can't do a Kong versus Godzilla part two, even five years later, like I just said, that's not going to fly. So where do you go? And part of me has thought, you know what? This is probably it with Godzilla versus Kong. And I would be okay with that. We got our trilogy, technically quadrilogy if you count Skull Island, And I think we as fans have to be prepared to be okay with that. You have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, because I just don't think this is, even if this film makes 500 million and Godzilla versus Kong goes bananas. Where do you go? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, too, uh, you also got to look forward to them, was it Toho, trying to at least wanted to do something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe with their uh, kaiju movies and everything. (sighs) Once uh, Carlton vs. Khan is, uh, you know, released in theaters and everything, that's what they want to do, but from uh, both Warner Brothers and uh, Legendary Pictures as
0: well of what their decision is. Yeah, and I think, like I said, regardless regardless of what happens even if this movie makes a ton of money and even if Godzilla vs. Kong makes a ton more money I think at the very least we're looking at a five year waiting period before we see something else. maybe even longer, quite frankly mm-hmm. because who knows it a lot's gonna depend on what Warner Brothers and Legendary wants to do, but also it's gonna depend on what Toho wants to do. Maybe they're gonna say we want to do our own thing for a while and we're not going to sell you the license. Um, there are all sorts of things that could happen. Yeah, there's and, there's a lot of things in play, so yeah. And even then I think after Godzilla versus Kong, it's gonna be two to three years before we maybe see something from Toho. Um I don't know. As a fan I would be like, Oh yeah, like go ahead throw in Lana in part four or whatever. It's like it's not that easy. You have to think like a Hollywood executive and you have to understand that even if this movie and the next movie make a lot of money, where do you go to sustain that is going to be a problem. Because you understand that Western audiences are not going to buy this forever. Sure, the fans are. But like we just said, there aren't enough of us diehard fans to support these films. It's just we just aren't there in the numbers. And... Like, if I had it my way, I would see this film, like, every other day. But I can't. Part of it is because I got a major project I'm doing right now. Second of all, I've got a family I got to take care of, too. It's not that easy for me to get out and go see a movie that often. So, yeah. it's tough. And, like I said, we we as fans have to be prepared and okay with Godzilla vs. Kong probably being the last film and again like i said that's okay because kong skull island made a lot of money godzilla made money this film so far is on track to make pretty good money too maybe not as much we'll see hopefully it does and i think kong versus godzilla will make a lot more money it'll probably be the most profitable one out of this entire monster verse and I hope I'm right about that. And I think I will be right about that. So you got four films, Pacific Rim, you got two. They tease the third one. I don't know if we're gonna get that. I hope we do. Mm-hmm. Be, we, I'd like to at least wrap up the, the the story on that, but I don't know what the status is on that. To my understanding, there isn't one. I don't know. I think we're getting a rampage two. And that's because that movie did well overseas. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not sure on that. But I've heard that there's talks of doing a part two for Rampage. (laughs) But we have to be okay. And we have to understand that we're at a point in our history in which we're probably coming to the end of Kaiju being huge mainstream popular. And we're at that point where maybe the general audience is maybe starting to get tired. And that this is going to have to lay to rest for a while. And I'm okay with that. We were supposed to have a trilogy with the 98 Godzilla, but that didn't happen. And it wasn't because of the money either. So... It was... uh, uh, So, so I mean... It's just uh, a handful of people, <laughs> but already we technically have three monster films and we're getting a fourth one next year. So we have to be okay with that. So let's do the best we can. The, the more positive word of mouth we can do, the more likely, yeah, general audience members will go and we as fans will continue to go more frequently too. So we've rambled on long enough. It's time to wrap this puppy up. Thank you so much for watching or listening and uh, have a very healthy obsession with Kaiju. Go continue to see King of the Monsters. Yes, do so. And
1: uh, with that, um, I think our next podcast is uh, the pre-G-Fest. Yep. I'll be just... Uh, I think just a little over a month because I think I'll be uh, either on the 6th I would think or the 7th the day uh, day before when we go to Chicago. It's one of those two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Thank you for listening, guys, and we will see you in July.